Welcome to the Questioning My Faith podcast, where we discuss big questions about Christianity that you're either already asking or maybe should be. Together, we learn from incredible people braving their vulnerability about how to overcome the obstacles that challenge us in order to have hope for tomorrow. When we learn together, we gain a much better picture of both humanity and deity to love ourselves and others with grace and compassion. Are you finding yourself trying to figure out what the heck the Bible is even on about? This week's podcast is about the incredible story of Dorothy Mendez and her journey with the Bible as she found herself called by God in a country where she barely spoke the language. We laugh through stories of belonging, rejection, and finding ourselves in scripture. Dorothy Mendez, thank you so much for being here together on the uh, Questioning Your Faith podcast. Uh, I'm so excited to have you. You and I have had like an incredible opportunity to have overlapped together. We studied together. We worked together. We were both displaced in Australia together. Um, and I just think the absolute world of you. And I, right off the bat, I just want to ask, like, you live a very displaced life. You're you're of the Latin diaspora, <laughs> exiled to Canada, and then you moved to Australia. And now you're in, oh, what's the island? It's the really rich island. Where are you at again? <laughs> the really rich one. I love that. I'm in Guernsey currently. Guernsey. 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 Guernsey, mate. Yes. So, that's oh amazing. my gosh. Yeah, How are you finding stability so in your life? Me. Oh, of course. Well, Cody, of course. I think that's just the opposite, right? Like we have these, um, these, um, I don't want to say delusions, <laughs> but we have <laughs> these ideas or these perceptions that if I can have one, two, and three, X, Y, and Z, then I'll have stability. Right. And and to some degree, like I'm also so much a product of my parents who I'm obviously their offspring, thank God for that. <laughs> um, you know, like we learned all about that in <laughs> bio. But um like they they're my heroes. They're my absolute heroes. So my mother is Canadian. She's like Celtic background. She is right. as fair as they come, she will burn to a crisp. <laughs> my father is afro-ecuadorian so he is wow. this beautiful black man his yeah. um, cultural background so he's from and he's ecuadorian so we are culturally latin right. um i always tell people that if you walked into my childhood home from the door in first of all he would say like you know we we definitely i got the nickname in high school the mendez hotel because my parents <laughs> would literally bring home people like strays from the airport i shouldn't say strays <laughs> in case any of those people listen to this but like there was a time where i just remember being a kid and it was like a revolving door and and i guess it was very much like the hospitality you right. know mi casa su casa my house is your house but he would say like from the door in it's beds and mm -hmm. it wasn't just like a figure of speech and and very much they were um like you know they were pastors they were missionaries they had this kind of ethos about them that like we will live big-hearted generous lives so my mm -hmm. mom anyways i back in track she um became a christian really young wanted to do something significant for the lord so decides she's going to be a missionary um to guatemala she didn't even know where that was on the map i was born in guatemala <laughs> Like literally, she was like she comes from. I come from like a cowboy heritage. Like she wow. grew up on a farm. Wow. Like my great uncles were in the rodeo. Like you know, just so not Latin America. Yeah. And my 
dad tells the story much better than I could, but he just says, I remember the first day she arrived, she was like a hot mess, <laughs> just like <Wow>. literally sweating, <laughs> like <laughs> luggage. And he just thought to himself, oh dear God, this girl's going to need some help. <laughs> and then they didn't, they didn't see each other for like a year. And so uh, my dad was also a missionary in the eighties in Guatemala when there was like a civil war. So they went, wow. he was like 18 when he left home to be like, a missionary like they're crazy wow. they're both yeah mad people <laughs> and but lived these big-hearted lives and so mm. like in my head being in one country is or moving countries several times isn't that big of a deal you know what I yeah. mean like I was born yeah. in Guatemala I grew up in Cowtown Calgary Alberta like oh my gosh it doesn't get more redneck <laughs> than that I usually tell people I'm from the Texas of Canada so that they kind of get what I'm talking about. Um, and so like I would spend my like my summers, which were my highlight, with my grandparents on their farm. And I would do hay with my grandpa and wow. we'd feed the cows. And then on the other seasons, we would go, we drove down to El Salvador. There was a massive earthquake and like thousands of people were displaced and didn't have food. And so my parents took us out of school. Actually, no, it was in the summer, but they did take us out of school and we homeschooled for a little bit. And then we were just missionaries as like a 10 year old. And I remember like playing soccer every day. It was the best thing of my life and swimming and eating amazing food and getting sick and eating amazing food anyways. Like I would get sick I would eat so much mangoes my dad was like you're gonna get sick and sure enough but yeah so we just lived this crazy life and I didn't realize it was crazy I thought it was normal do you know what I mean so like then I um fast forward I um turn 18 or no I was in high school and I had done a bunch of trips and I had traveled to Costa Rica I traveled to Mexico and my family's in Ecuador so I had gone there I lived when I was Actually, no, when I was 15, I decided I wanted to move to El Salvador. And I lived with my aunt for nearly a year because I wanted to um, improve my Spanish. And I kind of had this, these different interesting experiences, kind of like perhaps <laughs> we would call them God encounters. Like, I don't know what to call them this day. Yeah. But it was, it was enough to shake me as a 15-year-old. And I mm -hmm. thought like, Prior to that, I thought that I would never, like as soon as I was 18, I was never going to be in church. I thought I was like, did that, wow. peace out. Yeah. And I was just like, I was going to do, yeah, I was going to be a doctor. Like, you know, I had all these grand wow. ideas. And then I was 15 and crazy things happened that just rocked my life. Mm. And, um, and then I, I had this burden <laughs> for my... <laughs> people for my yeah. culture for my nation that i thought i never wanted anything like more than just visit family kind of to do with so yeah. i remember being 15 and saying to my dad i think i need to i think i need to go live with like my aunt my mom and i had just got back from a trip my grandfather who is my my hero like literally the man could do no wrong in my eyes, kind of like John Wayne mm -hmm. type, just bigger than life, larger than life, um, and <clears> passed away suddenly. Oh, and it wow. was just like, it rocked, it rocked me. And I was in El Salvador at the time, recovering from the worst virus slash parasite of my life. 
Like it was oh my actually gosh. one of those like scenes of a movie where you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And my mom's like, I think you're gonna die. Like it was so <laughs> like she oh, was no. like, you know, good Pentecostal mom just praying in tongues and taking me to the emergency room every other day. And I was getting injections <laughs> in my butt, and it was the most dehumanizing experience of my life. Oh. And I just remember being like, I'm never coming here again like just weeping and then <laughs> i got better they finally figured out what was wrong with me and like a week later i'm lying in this like i thought was going to be my deathbed and my mom comes in and she's weeping and i'm like mom i'm good now like don't worry and she's yeah. like grandpa died and i just was oh like oh my gosh oh my god so there's a couple different things came back home and it was obviously hard and whatever but um, I had, yeah, I had these weird dreams. I tend to have dreams. <laughs> yeah. And I was like woken up in my dream. Wow. And it was like essentially, I won't go into all the details, but essentially God was like, are you going to stop running from me? Wow. And yeah, there was all these different pictures and these scenes from my life. And then, oh my gosh. And it was like, I had, I didn't, like, because I was, I'm 15, right? Like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's be yeah. honest. Like church yeah. was an obligation. It was mandatory in my home unless there was a sporting event that I could make my own. I have my parents definitely um, allowed me to pursue like my sporting career and my my sibling sporting career. But it mm -hmm. it was always like you had to figure out your own way there because mm -hmm. church was priority. Nothing um, could come before that. So in many right. ways, I felt like that was like this debilitating, like constraining, like constraining, sorry, just something awful that I just needed to break out of. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then anyways, I have, you know, these ideas of my, in my head and like what my life's going to look like. And I have these crazy dreams and maybe it's grief. I don't know. Like now I'm older and I've learned a little bit and I'm like, hmm, I don't know what that was, yeah. but maybe it was the Holy Spirit. And so anyway, so I talked to my dad and I go, I think I have to go back. And he's like, wow, he knows me. He knows like I nearly died a couple of weeks ago. I was yeah. so sick. Yeah. And he knows like he knows me better than probably I know myself. And he's like, if God told you to do it, then you need to do it. Wow. And so then they let their 15 year old daughter get on a plane and I moved back to El Salvador and I told my aunt and uncle everything and they were like, they're the most beautiful people as well. And they're pastors yeah. and do a bunch of different things in a lot of the smaller, like, um, pueblos, like villages surrounding mm -hmm. San Salvador. But it's also like a very, um, different, like, I don't know if people know about San Salvador, but it can be a very dangerous country. Yeah. So there was, there was a lot of things to consider and, um, yeah, they were very supportive and endorsing. And my uncle says to me, all right, next, this, I don't know, it's probably like a Tuesday that I arrived. He's like, well, this Sunday you're going to preach then. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm like, wait, wait, I'm here to learn the language. Like, I haven't learned <laughs> it yet. You know what I mean? Like, and he's like, yeah, no. like, yeah. Like if this is why you're here, God's going to allow, like, you know, oh my God, I remember. I think that's when I started reading the Bible, to be honest. Like, I don't even think yeah. I read the Bible. Yeah, out of necessity, that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I had two, like, it was hilarious. I had, like, three Bibles in front of me, one in English, one in um, English and Spanish, so next to each other, and one that was, like, 
I guess the equivalent of probably like the message version so that I could understand <laughs> what I was gonna speak about. And I just was sweating bullets and I just was uh, like, okay, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. I have to do this. I I don't know how I'm gonna do this. And so I my and it was like it was hilarious. Like now I think back to it. I who knows what heresy I've preached, but whatever. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> open the gates let the heresy in yeah <laughs> honestly like it's like who gave this kid a mic and, um, yeah and so that was that's where i don't know you asked me about stability and i just told you this long story but like all that to say is like i don't yeah. i don't think um i don't think you know having this um this necessarily this this script or this narrative about um what we would say sameness it mm -hmm. equals stability like i think often yeah. we think well you know i lived in the same house my whole life or i had the same postcode or or community or group of yeah. people around me that all of a sudden gave me security to some degree right. perhaps but i think what my parents really instilled in us um, was this sense of connection with people that right. I think anytime, like the first time I went to Ecuador, I still remember I was eight years old. I, before that, I was a baby, so I don't remember. So my first memory, and I walked off um, there, you're like, you're not allowed to come into the airport. So I, I was so ambitious right. to go see this family I've heard about my whole life. It was like I knew them, but I never really had seen them. And mm -hmm. I walk out and there's like swarms of people around this gate and it's a bit like intense. Yeah. And all of a sudden somebody grabs me and, and they're like, and they're speaking to me and I look up and it's my aunt and she looks so much like my father. And I just remember oh, wow. I belonged like instantly. I was eight oh, years old wow. and I was like, I never felt like I belonged in Canada. I never felt like I belonged mm. in church. <laughs> I never felt yeah. like I fully even fit in my in my family. Like I don't look like my siblings or my yeah. parents very much. No one could tell I'm black by the looks of me. No one could tell that I'm white either. <laughs> they think I'm Mexican, yeah. like I'm neither. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like it was the the love and the embrace and it was like, no, you're us. <laughs> Wow. If we're your family, and I was like, wow. God, like I, I belong to these people. Like this is this is my yeah. home, and like, yeah. I've never even lived in Ecuador. But like, there's something about this connection that I have, and yes. it's probably just like the relational aspect of it. And still to this day, I remember when I rocked up to Sydney, I was like, I'm home, and you know what I mean. Wow. I'm like, what? Yeah, and I don't yeah. know. It was maybe it was the people. It was the sense of like this commonality that I was finding with all these different people from different mm -hmm. countries, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't, they didn't like one of my best friends is like Norwegian. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where's that similarity? But it was this, it was almost like this heartbeat, like we shared a heartbeat. And so mm, I think in for me, the things that have brought stability in my life more times than not are not a location, um, right. but it's the connection that you find with maybe like-minded individuals, um yeah. yeah it's like this weird you know like every time every once in a while like we even say to each other our group of friends like this isn't normal is it you know <laughs> like, mm, yeah how have we become yeah. fast friends like as if i knew you my whole life yeah and i think that sentiment is so beautiful and powerful for an expression of the church right it's that it, it's that hope that we all have whether we've experienced it in the church or not um i have 
experienced it maybe a handful of times with individuals, right? But not necessarily with uh, church as like a congregation or a structure or anything like that. Uh, but the church has introduced me to people that I felt like that with. Um, Absolutely. But there's something about that, I guess, more m- more inclusively than is like the kingdom of God is it's that expression of diversity and recognition of our differences. But at, this, at the core of who we are, we're all that same human being right with god in us and that our heartbeats like you said our heartbeats are aligning and there's i think there's something to that is as you're describing that like i meet my aunt and i see my father it's like wow that's that's what it was like for me when elise and i are you know are dating and i'm doing therapy from trauma in my childhood and all of a sudden i'm realizing oh i've been projecting my entire being onto god like right. I, 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 and all of a sudden I found somebody who loves me and now I'm realizing God's voice sounds a whole lot more like the person who loves me than right. my internal monologue that didn't. And, right. but I really felt like a, a resonance there is that's what, that's what belonging feels like to me. And that's kind of what I've found with, you know, maybe 10 to 15 people in my life, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, sounds so depressing but honestly, I'm thankful it's 10 to 15 and it's not just two. Um, oh my gosh. It's actually 10 to 15 is, you know, we think like more, <laughs> like, qu- yeah. like quantity over, I don't know, not that it's over, quality yeah. lacks or whatever, but like, I don't know. Like I, 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 um, I think because of who my parents were, they were quite prominent within a small community. So like sure. within the bigger part of our city, nobody's. But within yeah. the Latin community, there was this sense of prominence. And, yeah. you know, I remember being, even now, oddly, people will <laughs> figure, will know my parents. Like the whole thing wow. of like the Mendez Hotel. <laughs> like it's yeah. not a joke. They'll be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> when I first moved to Canada, your parents helped me out. And I'm like, yep, cool, cool, cool. Oh my God, I met <laughs> your dad through this. You know, like it's so, it's so funny because it's, yeah. Like it happens more times than not. And like I yep. was living in Australia, like, you know, I don't even go here anymore kind of vibes. Yeah. And I was visiting home and I got stopped in the supermarket and I was just like, oh, I can't escape this. You know? <laughs> and, and they're and they're beautiful people. And, you know, some of their, they haven't always had good things said about them. So when good right. things are said about them, you're like, cool, like, yes. But I remember as a child, that was crippling. Wow. You know, like I was... I was hiding in the bathroom so that because we always do before the service starts, you go and say hi to somebody. Yep. And like for Latinos, that's like 20 minutes of saying hi to people and you kiss <laughs> everyone and you hug everyone. Yeah. And I was like, I just had such and I didn't know at the time, but such social anxiety. Sure. So me and my girlfriends, I would make them come to the bathroom with me and I would pretend like we were doing stuff. But I was yep. literally just trying to avoid that time. Oh, my gosh. And yeah and now i laugh because i'm like oh my gosh like there's so many things like we can unpack this in therapy some other time i think <laughs> i already have <laughs> but i'm yeah. like oh this explains a lot but um it, it, like you think more like oh i was well known i would have felt very loved and connected right. and belonging and i felt the opposite yeah and so it was interesting like ha- what changes that dynamic to like being in a crowd and feeling absolutely mm-hmm. alone versus being around a few and feeling like you are surrounded by so much like warmth and acceptance. Like, yes. And uh, I don't know, like I, I still am like working those things out, but I do think it is the people that you meet. Yeah. Yeah. 
it really is such a process trying to figure that out, isn't it? Yeah, and it, I like yeah. sometimes you sometimes you really are like, oh wow, I just clicked with somebody. Mm -hmm. Like talk about like, do we just become best friends in the queue to the bathroom? <laughs> yes, yeah. we did. You know, yeah. are we changing exchange versus other people that it's forced. And like I'm mm -hmm. going, I think it's me. It's not you. Don't worry, it's me. Like, don't feel bad. I don't know how to do this. And so it's just kind of it's funny how you don't have to like I think now as I'm a bit older, like I don't have to be best friends with everybody. And I take that pressure off myself. Whereas when I was younger, it was like, you're the pastor's daughter. You have to be best friends with everyone. And I was like, I want to hide in the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you have to be merry in all the plays at Christmas time. Like, oh, I don't want to be, can I be the donkey? Like, can I just be anything but this? And sure enough, like I yeah. couldn't escape it. Yeah. 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 It just follows you around, doesn't it? Well, it does. thank you so much and for like, sharing man it's it's beautiful like it's i feel like we should dig into this we need to do a revisit of this episode and dig more into this too and talk about belonging versus um i i'm stealing this from Brene brown uh, but it's the difference between belonging and fitting in right mm. and she really works on she works with kids actually in defining this because she thinks that kids uh more eloquently actually describe this idea um but we should dig more into this in a different episode is talking about belonging versus fitting in right and fitting in is this idea of that um you can't be who you are in community and be accepted you have to be who the community wants you to be in order to be accepted right whereas belonging yeah. is that you get to express yourself as you find yourself and that you still have people who care for you people who will save a seat for you and i i'm i'm literally quoting school not church right like you remember yeah. going to school first day at like a new school or first time ever and you didn't know where you're going to sit at lunch and then you get that one person who had a seat and they're like hey come sit down and immediately you know they could be Mar charles manson and you're like i'm with you for life <laughs> oh absolutely loyal to the core absolutely oh, sure. um yeah but i loved sure. i loved that you shared so honestly that like you got invited to preach and then you're thinking oh my gosh i think this is you know maybe the first time i'm really engaging with scripture is is there truth to that? Like, can you tell us more about that? And then what happens after that? Like, what's your engagement with scripture look like? I mean, first of all, you're a heretic. You're a woman speaking in church. I'm kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> Actually, I think, Cody, that was one of the first things you said to me. Well, you are a heretic. You know, you're a woman. Preaching. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, never going to get past that one, are we? <laughs> yeah. <Nope. laughs> well, I mean, as God, soon as the evangelicals Paul do, then. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Oh my gosh, me and Paul are gonna have so many words, but that's all right. At this point, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know what? I think it's it's so funny to me because I get asked these questions all the time, and in the sense of like, oh my gosh, like you know, we're sitting at a dinner table, and what do you do for work? And I'm like scurrying yeah. around it so hard, <laughs> like asking everything possible, yeah. like on dates, it's awful. I kind of. <laughs> Why I'm not like I have no shame because I'm like you won't understand like you know sometimes I'll be like oh I teach theology and they're like oh which one is that and I'm like yeah <laughs> that's what I thought it's fine and then I like try to explain it in these really vague terms and I think they might think I'm catfishing them like it's just all too much <laughs> so uh, yeah I started reading the Bible and I started with the Psalms and I start yeah. I remember we say a proverb a day keeps the devil at bay yeah. I started with Proverbs and Psalms. 
And like me and my best friend from our childhood or her mom, I think gifted us Bibles. Oh, wow. And hers was like the precious moments one. She loved yes. precious memories or moments yes. or whatever. Yeah, moments, so precious funny. moments. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. Yeah. And we went through and we just highlighted everything. We weren't even reading it. We just wanted it to be <laughs> highlighted. And like, it was so funny. And um, we started reading Psalms of Solomon and we're like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and our mom was like, don't read that. Don't read that one. And it was just so funny because I knew things um, like, because I'm an audible learner anyways, but I, I, had, I had heard sermons after sermons my whole life. Like I basically was, you know, born and bred into the pews so i'm like yeah. there was so much in that i didn't mm -hmm. realize mm -hmm. so here i am prepping and my auntie's like just preach what you know <laughs> just yeah. preach what god's told you and i'm the like beautiful what the heck? god told me and to come then, to, yeah. to el salvador that's what i'm talking about yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah honestly like ah uh, i had a dream about jonah okay cool cool, cool. you know like all these funny <laughs> things and so i'm i'm flicking and picking and i'm going oh yeah. that verse Where's that? And I'm like, you know, this is pre-Google, which yeah. is hilarious to say, like it's MSN <laughs> messenger time, right? And so I'm like <laughs> trying to look up these Bible verses. So I'm looking at the concordance. I think like um, I intuitively wow. knew how to like word search, but I was like, oh, that Bible <laughs> verse, I know it. And I could say it word for word, but I just didn't right. know where it was in the Bible. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I started. So I was like, well, there's clearly a narrative that I'm very familiar with. So mm. I guess my first not that it's a point, but my first comment is like reading scripture isn't necessarily the priority because what we're trying to engage with is the narrative. Right. So we take a step back, like as a Bible teacher, I recognize the fact that this was an oral culture. More people yes. than not were illiterate. And so what, yes. what was being transmitted to them was being transmitted to them through storytelling. Yeah. And so I got up there and I told a story. Beautiful. And I like, you know, I took the cues from my father hmm. um, and he's a great preacher. He's a long preacher. but he's a great <laughs> preacher. Church was like six hours sometimes. Just kidding. But kind of. Um, and so I just I just started telling stories and um, and like, you know, I look back at some of the different things and it's hilarious. And I I drew from my heritage. So I remember there's this saying that goes, boca cerrada y no entra mosca, which basically it's kind of a this um wisdom proverb keep your mouth shut and you won't choke on flies and so essentially right. my my parents told because you know i was just so chatty cassie my parents <laughs> told me like dorothy we're going out Boca cerrada, no otra mosca. it was basically like <laughs> don't put your foot in your mouth don't be gossiping yeah. don't be a busybody like and so i like was like okay you know Boca cerrada. and yeah. so i told this this story of like that and then I said, yeah. I said, but there's sometimes that it's the spirit of God that compels us to speak and he wow. fills our mouths with the words to say. And I spoke about Jeremiah, the prophet, because sure. that was what, what was felt like was my story. You know, Jeremiah wow. was like, I don't want to, I can't speak. I don't have the words <laughs> to Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is me. And so I spoke <laughs> and I think, I guess I read the scripture very, um, actually, now that I think back to it, my Pentecostal hermeneutic was really active. I, I became yeah. a dialogue partner with it. I didn't just read yeah. it for instruction. I read it because it resonated with my story and right. I wanted to amplify what does that look like? You know, this is what God did then, but what is he doing now? What has he done in my yeah. life? And how can that be an encouragement to whoever I was preaching to? 
Yeah. And, and like, you know, now I can laugh about it and go like, oh my gosh, there was blunders in there for sure. <laughs> but there was also like, oh my goodness, like this 15 year old shy, like yeah. shy kid was just being like, I don't really want to do this, but I'm going to try to obey the Holy Spirit. So I'm doing wow. this. And like, wow. you guys can kind of join in. And if you don't want to, that's okay. But like, yeah, yeah I guess you're stuck here because you showed up on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, I, I mean, there's so much you can be can be said about any sect, positive and negative. But there's something that I love about Pentecostals, which is just that you can learn from everyone, right? Like mm -hmm. God will speak through anyone. Um, and I, I just, I really adore that. And so I can just imagine the proud, you know, tios and tias and abuelos and abuelas, like sitting in the, in the, in the room and just thinking like, this is the next generation. She's taking us into the future. Like, this is incredible. Like I can just, right. I can hear that Latin Pentecostalism where I, I'm sure there were tons who were vocal that didn't say that, um, maybe said the opposite, <laughs> but I can yeah. just, I can just imagine the pride that wells up. I think about, um, you know, my wife's own granddad, who's very much that same Swedish Pentecostal, but same same flavor, just two completely different cultures. And whenever he, whenever we hang out, he's always like, "Oh, my Elise, what did you preach this last week?" <laughs> it's just, did you tell them that the Lord is good and just like so sweet? And Pop, if you ever listen to this, we love you. Um, yeah, but that's it's awesome. just, I love that. It's so beautiful that they'll they'll, they'll give anyone a go, right? Which is so Aussie, um, but it's just it's just wonderful. And so. You're on this journey. You're figuring yourself out. God's leading you. You find yourself in Sydney. Like, when did you start engaging with um, some of the ideas that you and I have really talked about later in life? Like, talked about feminist critique of scripture. When did you start engaging with reading the scripture less through uh, a uh, Pentecostal hermeneutic and just first became more aware of your own initial bias? And for those, for those of you who feel that hermeneutic is a fancy word, let me just simplify it. Here's the dumb Cody version. A hermeneutic is really just um, the unknown interpretive lens that we have when we read anything. Uh, we use it in scripture, but we also use it when we're reading politics. Um, we use, you use it when you're watching a movie, like how you interpret things, right? So a great movie to talk about here is um, the movie Inception. If you've ever seen the movie Inception, mm -hmm. at the end of the movie, uh, the idea is that um, potentially Leonardo DiCaprio's character has returned home out of the dream dimension. And the only way he can know this is by spinning a top. And if the top actually falls over, then he's made it back home to his children. But if it keeps spinning, he's still kind of in this dream reality because tops don't spin forever. And the movie actually cuts to black before you find out what's going to happen. And so everyone is split on this. It's like, no, he didn't make it back. Or yeah, he made it back. And here's why. And here's this. And you can pick this up from this movie, this part of the movie and yada, yada. Um, and so we're actually using a hermeneutic to interpret that as well. And so the goal um, of some of biblical critique is really to begin to engage with the fact that we have a bias. We have an interpretation mm -hmm. that we intrinsically do, which is, could be personal. It could be cultural. It could be theological. And um, the critique is literally just to try and First, be aware of what that is. It's not bad to continue in your hermeneutic. It's only bad to be unaware of your hermeneutic. So when did when yeah. did you start engaging with this, Doris? I think um, oh, I, I, there was a, a few different things. Like obviously, I um, I love the Bible. Like yeah, <laughs> there's certain yeah. things about like 
tissue and in your face that I'm like, oh, I could do without that. But yes. like the stories, I love the Bible. Like I, there's something that's fascinating to, to me about it, even just from like a like literature perspective. Yeah. So I think um, I, I got actually a bit burnt. I was preaching mm-hmm. and doing all that stuff. And then like, you know, no big news. I'm a woman. So I um, <laughs> <laughs> was, was preaching heaps and all this stuff. And I really engaged in our, and in my parents' church for a little bit there. Right. And wanting, I think like deep down, I just really wanted to like, you know, be a part of change, be part of something yep. healthy, see people impacted in a positive way. And there were certain barriers and stuff like that. But anyways, this one Sunday, you know, and even every time I would preach, it was always like me wrestling with it, like me and my dad sure. would have these arguments. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. Okay, I'll do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah, okay. You know, like it was just yeah. this back and forth. Like I want to hide, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, so here I am, like being super vulnerable, preaching, doing the mm-hmm. whole thing. I'm quite animated. Like I go for it. I bet, <laughs> like I just give it my all. And that, I got pretty good at it. And then um, this yeah. gentleman comes up to me, this older Latin man, God bless him. He goes, that was really good. That was really encouraging, this, that. Just too bad you're a woman. <laughs> and I just was like, <laughs> you know, like, I like, I'm like, you know, you. it's almost like after playing um, a soccer game, you know, like, yeah. or for me, I played soccer, right? Or after any kind of sporting event and then people want to give you how you could have done better in the game and you're just like can you just give me a second you know (laughs) to catch my breath even yeah yeah and I was like oh excuse me and you know I'm being really polite the polite Latina that I I was trained to be yeah and um he goes well like the bible is really clear about it you should like women aren't supposed to preach yeah and I honestly didn't know that (laughs) like talk about oh no and yeah Cause I had only been surrounded by this encouragement, you know, like it, funny enough, even though I never heard the word feminist, like my grandfather was such a feminist. He was like, yeah. if you can do it and you can do it better than that guy, then do it. And right. like, you know, like he never yeah. ever made these classifications. Like if I could th- like pick up a hay bale, then I was going to help him. If my brother could do yep. it better, cool. He was going to help as well. Like there was no yep. separation. Um, yeah in that sense and the same with my dad he's like well if you can preach and you have that gift then you should use it yeah and so i was a bit like confused by this gentleman so anyways like try to get out of it it's super awkward and then i go and talk to my parents later and i was like what the what and my dad just was like oh ignore that old man you know blah blah blah. and i was like what and so then i started like looking into it and i guess my my competitive nature will be like well i'm gonna prove you wrong you know so i was like well i'm gonna (laughs) get a bachelor's in theology and I'm going to study yeah. about this. And I think I was fueled by, I'm going to prove you wrong. Right. And, and that's kind of how I started. But I also was like, no, I think it's really important. Like I had these examples modeled to me and I could not understand if someone was gifted and capable and did it well. Like if you were preaching and you were slandering the Bible or, or using it inappropriately, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't grade you based on your gender. I, you know, yeah. like I've heard phenomenal female preachers and I've heard phenomenally not good female preachers. I've yeah, had amazing absolutely. sermons done by men and the vice versa. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, I don't think how well you read the scripture or how well you engage with this or, or, you know, your personal relationship, your spirituality, 
your understanding of the Holy Spirit is is mm-hmm. limited by the fact that you were born with certain like anatomy. Like I just yeah. it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of what what's triggered that initial like, well, I'll prove you wrong. And then realized, oh my gosh, there's a huge debate about this. And I wasn't interested in the debate. I was just interested in um, the practice. Right. I was like, well, if preaching helps people, then how can we do it better? Yeah. And then I, you absolutely. Know, we we did our masters together, and we realized, oh, we're really going to have to engage with all these different criticisms and these different <laughs> methods and these traditions and where they came from. And I'm like, yeah. bloody, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, and I'm like, I don't really care. And then I was like, okay, I have to care because somebody else cares. Mm-hmm. But let me give you kudos. You finished your master's degree. I got a graduate diploma because I had my second kid and decided I'm not going to take three weeks off and leave my wife pregnant with a six-month-old just so I can finish a thesis. But um, oh, no. so kudos to you. You're amazing. You, and... you had a lot on your plate, so don't worry. <laughs> you're... Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're very, you're very gracious. One day, one day I'll pick it back up. Um, I'd love to pick it back up with Dr. Mark Hutchinson. I'm hoping to get him on the yeah. podcast to talk about the topic of the thesis and see if we can't uh, maybe get Tanya in here too and talk about it. It'd be fun. Oh, but, absolutely. That'd be so much fun. But thank you so much for, for joining with us here. I'm, I, I think we're going to need to do a part two here. Okay, I think it would be so sure. much fun to to revisit it again, talk more about, you know, maybe hermeneutical bias and, um, maybe even talk a bit more about like what feminist reading is and how to open that up a bit more and what that does in our lives. Um, but I'm just so thankful you're here and thank you for sharing your story with us. It's brave oh, yeah, and powerful sure. and <laughs> wild. 15 <laughs> oh, year old El Salvador is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling my friend the other day um, how I used to like, <laughs> I would go for runs, but I realized I wasn't allowed to go for runs. <laughs> so funny I, it was like a gated community and so yeah. then there would be the guard with his like yeah. rifle, and i would just do like like not even sprints but they were like just little these runs distances down this yeah. yeah it was yeah. so funny and they just probably thought i was the craziest north american <laughs> like what is she doing here i just broke so many rules i got in so much trouble but hey not a lot not a lot has changed nope good for you keep doing it well, um, can you just let us know what you're working on right now and like what you're up to and how people can stay up to date with it? Yeah, for sure. Well, to be honest, like I just finished up um, and I am doing a little bit of like contract work, which is so much awesome. fun talking about yeah. women in ministry. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to be starting. Um, my hope is to start my doctorate next year. So yes. I'm going to be looking at the Book of Esther, doing some sociological studies. I want to get more into yes. the sociology of religion um still bib studies i think i'll always have that bib scholar inside of me um but yeah you know what to be honest cody like the plan is no plan right now like yes there's some fringe things but i also am going like i think um you know like psalm 19 was this big verse like for me this last year just talking about like the heavens declaring the glory of god and how all creation is constantly testifying to the greatness of god and I just found out that like, I found in me that I, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was actually in that anymore. And I'm like, okay, uh, cool. I need to be yeah. part of that again. Good. I don't know what that looks like, but I want to just break, break the rules a little bit. Good. 
good for you. We'll be cheering you on in the journey and hopefully people will reach out and tell you their support and love. And um, yeah, we'll get it. We'll get another podcast timed up. We love you lots here. So thank you so much for your time. No worries, Cody. Thanks for all the funny questions. Was <laughs> any, any day. <laughs> all right. See you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hoping you feel inspired to respond to your own feelings of calling and support for others and theirs. Join us next week for an insightful conversation with researcher Matt Fitzgerald on the topic of finding meaning in the mundane.